Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Husbands, treat her as you should, so that, notice this, that your prayers not be hindered. What does that mean? That means if my wife and I aren't flowing together, then my prayers are hindered. And my prayers being hindered means that Satan has free reign in my marriage because prayer is the deciding factor against Satan. Marriage is a complicated relationship. You have two people with their own wants, preferences, likes, and dislikes. In the midst of working out how to make the marriage work, many times the spiritual aspect of the relationship gets set aside. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the critical importance God places on the spiritual side of marriage. You'll find out why the spiritual life of the couple matters both to God and themselves. You'll hear about ways the couple can get this area of their relationship going in the right direction. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his message, Together and Loving It. You know, if you go back in the 60s and 70s, what well, we never heard about couples 50, 60, 65 divorcing. Today, they're through with it. They're gone. They're going to look. They're going to look for something else. Now, the problem is when they divorce at 50 or 60, they take themselves to the next marriage. What do they take with them? Number one, they take what? Their selfishness. They marry another person who's also what? Selfish. And by the way, there's a third person that joined them. His name is Satan. And that's why second marriages have a higher failure rate than first marriages. So we don't run. We stay in them and allow God to work through it. So work together. Let me give you a few work together principles. Number one, work together on keeping God Number one, Matthew 6.33 says it like this. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously. And he, God, will give you everything you need. Notice right underneath a very important principle. Most marriage problems are spiritual problems. Now, I've been counseling marriages for 40 years. And I can guarantee you that as I do that, most of the problem in marriage is because the couples that are there 
have disregarded the principles of God's word. Now, if you're here today and you're not even, either one of you are Christians or only one of you is a Christ follower, it's going to be very difficult. You can have a good marriage. You'll never have the marriage God wants. But why is there marriage counseling? Well, because we simply abandon the principles of keeping God first. Remember, if you're in a home where there's a Christian husband and a Christian wife, it's a threesome. God is there. We have to keep him first. And how do I keep him first? By looking and practicing his word. If we simply obey the Bible in every area of our life, we will defeat Satan and will defeat that selfish nature that I have in me. Number two, work at allowing God to change you. Notice Psalm 139. David writes this, and I want you to see all the me's. When people come in to counsel, most of us, they'll come in and say this, well, she's wrong, and if you just correct her, I have no problem with me. But notice what David knew. He knew that he needed God to look at him. Search me, O God, search me, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, here's our problem. Because I'm me, I think my wife should be like me. Because really, in my mind, I have everything together. Now, don't laugh at me and look at me. You feel the same exact way. And so I think, honey, if you just be organized like me and do this and have this and this, just do these things and we'll have a great marriage. But see, I didn't marry her that way. She was very different when I married her. I loved that early on till about the second day we were married. (laughs) And then she's so different. I'm going like, who is this? I married. And that just continues. Here's what you'll learn. You'll never change your spouse. How many have learned it? Come on. You'll never change your spouse. Now, how many are still trying to change your spouse? Let me see your hands. You're lying to me. Next week's lying. I've been married 42 years, still trying to change her. Just call me stupid. That's right. And I'll call you stupid. Because it doesn't work. So who is God going to change? Me. The only person that God will deal with When I need to be changed is me. Now, he won't change me unless I allow him to. So, if I'm going to work at my marriage being better, I have to understand, as I do that, I have to focus on me, not my spouse, and allow God to conform me to his image. So, simply start by asking God, how can I be a better spouse? Next, Work together on oneness, we and not me. Turn with me to Psalm 127 in your Bibles, if you will. Remember early on, God said the two shall leave and they'll become one flesh. What God does when we get married, he makes us one in spirit. That oneness is simply defined as being in agreement with God, we're one, in our lives, and in agreement with our spouse. 
were one. Look at what God talks about oneness. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So unless I allow God to build our home, our marriage, I can watch Oprah, Dr. Phil, write all these things down, read all these books. But unless God's involved in this spiritually, my marriage will be me and my wife will be me. Well, that's not what God wants. It's we. It's together. A oneness. You know, if you look at a football team on a field, and I don't have time to go into all of it, just give you a little synopsis of how it works. On the field, there's 11 players. One of those guys is the quarterback. He's the head. But there's another head on the sideline. It's the coach. He's sending the plays in. And that team is only successful if it's a we, if it's working together. In a marriage, if you go to Ephesians 5, you don't have time this morning, you can just do it as homework. We learn that God made the man the head of the home. There has to be a head. If you have two heads, it's a monster. If you have no heads, it's dead. If that quarterback doesn't call the play and go, I don't know, one of you guys just call the play, would you? Let's see how it goes. The team will never go anywhere. But understand, the husband is to be responsive to God first. He's to submit to God. God's the real coach. And so there's not this abusive, authoritative. Actually, a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And the woman's role is to submit lovingly and join together as a team. And we make this powerful team where we flow together. We walk together. We live together. We do. It's called we and not me. Let's just take a moment. Those of you that are married. Is your marriage we? Or is it me? It's a good time to reflect. Is it we? Or is it me? Amos 3.3 says it like this. Do two walk together unless they agree to do so? You see, the beautiful thing about marriage is walking together husband and wife, and God. Now, what destroys this oneness? Well, it's this drifting into selfishness. How does selfishness happen in our homes? Well, it happens slowly over time. Each spouse, well, they just simply begin to neglect those basic principles of we and oneness. The couple, well, pretty soon you see them doing more and more things independently. Will you be home for dinner, hon? No, I don't have time tonight. Uh, kids are doing this. I'm going off to do this. They, wow, they take vacations independently. There's no spending time together as we. And pretty soon they end up living in the same house and the oneness is gone. They are like strangers who are married in name only. Chuck Swindoll has a great statement. How do we move from oneness to selfishness? How do we move from we to me in our home? Chuck Swindoll says this, marriages do not end from a blowout, but from a slow leak. You see, we have to work all the time 
with God on our marriages. Listen to this quote from a very successful Christian couple. After 25 years of being married, we still struggle for every tiny step of progress. We make on the path toward marital joy. We understand personal woundedness, personal differences, and the pressures that compound our challenges. But we pray. We talk. Notice the we's. We seek counsel. We discipline ourselves. We grow. We change. We compromise. We apologize. We confess. We adjust our expectations. We remind ourselves of our commitment. We look to the future and we refuse to give up because we're in this marriage for life. That is a realistic picture of marriage. You see, you can't give up. The next one will be worse. Let me remind you today why you got married. Adam got married because Adam was lonely. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes I'd rather just be by myself and Linda just go off and do her thing. And sometimes we allow that. You need a little bit of time. But overall, that's a very selfish, lonely life. So remind yourself today why God brought Eve to Adam. Because Adam was lonely. Marriage is hard. Life is hard. But God is good. Understand, wherever you're at, nothing is impossible with God. We have to work hard. And we have to pray. Some of you are in situations now, you'll say, my marriage will never last. Well, quit taking God out of the formula. Allow him to do what only God can do. Our second key is pray together. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Notice the word together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Husbands, treat her as you should so that, notice this, that your prayers not be hindered. What does that mean? That means if my wife and I aren't flowing together, then my prayers are hindered. And my prayers being hindered means that Satan has free reign in my marriage because prayer is the deciding factor against Satan. Listen to Dennis Rainey. You'll, those of you that are married will understand this very simply. One night, my wife Barbara and I ended up in bed facing in opposite directions. Since early in our marriage, we have prayed together each night before we go to bed, but that night, I didn't want to pray with her. In my conscience, however, Jesus Christ was asking me, are you going to pray with her? That's when you don't want to be a Christian, really. You don't want God speaking to you, you know what I mean? And Dennis replied, Lord, I don't like her tonight. Anybody been there? You see, for 42 years, I've loved my wife. Some nights I don't like my wife. And she doesn't like me. Anybody, anybody been there? Come on, come on. And so, this is interesting. The Lord said back to Dennis, I know you don't. But you're the one who tells people that you and your wife pray all the time. Slowly, the Lord turned me over. And I said, sweetheart, will you forgive me? 
Barbara and I talked and we prayed. How important is prayer? The Bible tells us that a hard heart was the original cause for divorce. You want to write this down. Praying together keeps our hearts soft. Turn me to Ephesians chapter 4. You see, couples, well, we need to be praying on a regular basis, individually and, of course, together. Concerning our marriages, our personal lives, the lives of our children, and, of course, when this happens, our grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Prayers need to be going up to God. Someone has said this, going to bed angry is like wet cement because the heart hardens during the night. Ephesians 4, look down at verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Well, Pastor Mark, why should not? I mean, what does the Bible say this? Here's the reason. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, the devil is in our bedroom looking for a place to separate my wife and myself. He's looking for me to come up with a hard heart. I'm not going to forgive you of that. You're at the cause. Why should I forgive you? But no, we can't go to bed angry. Now, what might God do if you and I said a simple prayer Every day for our spouse. I want to give you a website I want you to go to. Just write it down. It's called www.themarriageprayer, all one word, themarriageprayer.org, O-R-G. By the way, let me just say this. Guys, you're the spiritual leader at home. You go there. Don't make your wife go there. You go there. You stand up. You bring your Bible. You study. You initiate prayer. You're the spiritual leader. You're the quarterback on the team. Act like it. Your wife is dying for a husband that loves God. Don't be a wimp. You go there. And what you will print out is one simple page. And then just take your scissors and cut it. It's a prayer that your wife will pray for you and a prayer that you will pray for your wife. All you need is one copy. Put it in your devotional book and begin this process of prayer. Now, you don't have to do it every day. It isn't going to be a ritual. It's going to be something you just do as a form, but it is a good thing to remind yourself. And I'm going to read the prayer. This is kind of what it says. Father, this is the husband praying for the wife. I said till death do us part. I want to mean it. Help me love you more than her. That's keeping God first. And her more than anyone or anything else. What is that defeating? Selfishness. So understand, I'm to pray, God, I want to love you more than anyone else. See, you can't love your wife more than God. Or your husband more than God. And then I want to love my wife after God more than anyone else. More than me. Listen, listen. More than my children. Your children were put in the home to grow up and leave. You must love your wife and husband more than your children. If you don't, your marriage will be hurt for life. Second, and her more than anyone or anything else, help me bring her into your presence today. Make us 
one. We. You are three in one. That's the model. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I want to hear her, cherish her, and serve her. So she would love you more, and we can bring you glory. Amen. Dennis Rainey says this, When you pray together, you multiply your joys, you divide your sorrows, and to your experiences with God together, you help subtract your haunting past from life. During the rugged times of your marriage, you can share your burdens. Prayer can also take away the desire to get even and replace it with a willingness to work things out. Maybe you're living in the past today. So many hurts in your marriage. Can't get over it. Notice, prayer helps us move away from the past. Begin today, a fresh time in your marriage. We have to work together, and we have to pray together. Here's the third one. Write it down. We have to lay together. We have to lay together. Now turn to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20. Second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. This seventh commandment is all about marriage. So that reminds us that God places great importance on marriage. You shall not commit adultery. You see, this commandment prohibits any sexual relationship outside the marriage bond. Now, why did God do that? God knew that sex was much more than physical, but it's emotional and it's spiritual as well. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's a negative commandment. It is negative, but it has an incredibly positive side to it. You see, what God is saying is, I'm encouraging the celebration of the gift of sexuality within marriage. Our marriages are not to be bunk beds. They're to be single bed. And we're to lay together and enjoy the gift that God gave us. Now, God made men and women very different. And we all have different ways that we react to our sexuality and marriage. Ladies, marriage for men is, well, it's very simple, actually. Men can't figure ladies out. It's a little complicated. All kinds of emotional things and whatever times of the months and a million. Men, marriage is simple. And simple is spelled like this. S E Can you finish it? X That's as hard as it gets for God That's it In today's teaching Pastor Mark reminded you that trying to change your spouse will not work He talked about the main problem that all marriages even ones that would be considered good have which is the innate selfishness of both people You learned that there is a spiritual component to marriage too, and who you let in, God or Satan, makes all the difference. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. 
each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up his teaching together and loving it. He'll be talking more about the spiritual component of marriage and how important it is for you to work on this part. You'll be given some resources to help you develop this aspect of your marriage, and you'll learn how to start fighting against the forces that would cause you to ruin your relationship. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.